Hugo Bocquera. I am from Paris and I work at White and Kennedy as an account executive. What is your favorite 90s jam? Oh! <laughs> wow, that's a loaded question. I mean, <laughs> I should probably put it on. I got so many of these right there. Uh, <laughs> my favorite 90s jam. Right on top of my base, Empire Base Building, Come On Get Here. That's okay. an excellent 90s jam. I'm gonna go with that. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll put it on that's later. <laughs> yeah, we can yeah. put it on later. Tell us a little bit, what do you do on the site? What I do on the side? Um, music. I make music on the side. I, uh, and I guess I also run, co-run a record label with some friends. Oh, that's yeah. cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's a big part of it, too. But your music is like, because the, the thing that we heard the most was like, oh, he does like analog music. And for me, I was like, what is that? <laughs> I mean, it, like, it's kind of weird to say analog. It's, I use a modular synthesizer, which I guess, yeah, it is, it is analog, but I still run everything through a computer and everything. So, you know, it's still, at the end of the day, it's still, you know, I still mix it, it's still digital. It's not like I'm handing out reels or whatever. It's, it's yeah, it's, you know, it's electronic music with analog in there. Huh. I actually wanted to like ask why did you choose analog because I thought like it's such a because I kind of like then obviously went on and googled and I was like oh this is interesting like it's like different from digital but like but yeah. now as you said it's kind of merges but For why sure. why is the kind of analog side why is that like well I think it started because um, I was doing only well so I the whole story is I basically first did was a drummer in a band I guess it's really analog and uh, when I left high school, I didn't have a, I couldn't take my drum with me, obviously, and uh, so I got into making music with the computer, and um, so I was doing it on Ableton, which is just digital music, and uh, after a while, I kind of got tired of, I think I got tired of what, of Ableton, you know, of like the way, I think what I was doing was too predictable, and, um, and so I got into, mm, yeah, electronic equipment gear. Mm-hmm. and I had a lot more fun with it. I think the main thing is with Ableton, I felt like you go in and you can only do what you already have in mind or what the software you know, leads you to do by the way it's made. Whereas with analog stuff, I may have some basic idea, but the gist of it is a lot of things is thrown at me and then I pick up something and, and go from there. So it's less me, you know, okay, I want this and more like, shit thrown at me and then me you know picking it i guess yeah that's that's it okay yeah <laughs> i feel like this is quite funny because my next question was about gear yeah um so i know musicians obviously love their gear yeah so what what is your thing that you would love to have oh man uh things that, well i guess modules uh yeah there's a lot of like well you know i don't know if you know how this thing works that you just mm-hmm. saw uh but the idea is that uh you buy all of these modules separately and create your own instrument. So right now I'd love to get some, I don't know. Um, you want me to give you like actual product names and stuff? Like, well, if you, if you can, yeah, you why not? <laughs> yeah, okay, well I'm interested in a, uh, 2HP has a Turing machine module, which looks interesting to create, you know, random melody. Um, there's also a, uh, a radio music does a music thing module, um, which has like a funny kind of sampling interface which I like. So I already have one, and I think it'd be fun to get a second one. Uh, I don't know, it goes on, you know, there's just a lot of things. Another sequencer, maybe, would be nice, you know? Yeah. Oh my god, it's just like, <laughs> never ends. Yeah, like, there's the always, that's the like thing, that thing <laughs> is a money pit, you know? Like, there's just, you buy one module, and there's like 10 more you want to get right after, just to be able to use that one you just bought, so, yeah. But I mean, I, I have a great time 
you know, it's a fun. I, I I don't feel bad putting that much money into it. Anytime I get money, I run to the store and pick up modules, and <laughs> that's fine. In your music, what kind of sound do you look for? How would you describe your music? Maybe that will like help. Well, you, you know, my music is is I think just techno. Um, I think um, maybe what makes it different is uh, I think I have a sort of vision of, uh, I don't know, maybe different references. Stuff I get really excited about music-wise or, or from other places that I don't really see other people get excited about, which sometimes is a good thing because I have maybe lame. Could you maybe give an example? Yeah, like, um, well, for the first record I released, um, a big inspiration for me was kind of, you know, weird, shitty, obscure PS1 games, early PlayStation 1 games, or basically older games because I liked with older games uh, I don't know I feel like they have a really weird aesthetic going on because mm -hmm. the graphics are not quite there yet so you know there's only so much you can put on the screen and then the, the player has to imagine the rest you know mm -hmm. and so they create these huge worlds in the manuals and then the story around the game so that when you play the game and all you have is like a little pixel or whatever there's like this whole story behind it and I guess with my music, that was a big inspiration to like have make music that is like, at the end of the day, fairly simple, straightforward, but with a sort of like, I don't know, it would feel like you can you can put a lot of yourself in there, you know? I don't know, maybe that's kind of rambling. I don't know. That, no, that's, that's, that's pretty my, cool, actually. Yeah, like that, that was my inspiration. That's pretty for cool. It. What's your yeah. favorite game? My favorite game. Uh, I don't know. Uh, favorite game. Well, one of. Uh, I don't know if it's a favorite game. It's a, hard, it's a game that's really hard to play. I could never go too far into it, but it's a game that I thought was really kind of special. It's a game called uh, Sentient. It was released on PlayStation 1. And it's a really fucked up game because it's a game where it, it was a total failure because it's so fucking hard to play because you're basically in a spaceship that's about to collide into the sun. You have a certain amount of time before that happens, but there's no indication of what to do to stop it. And you can try to talk to people. There basically, there are 10,000 different endings. But the graphics are horrible, the controls are horrible, the spaceship itself is a mess to go around. I mean, anyway, the whole thing is like, but it's just so weird. I don't know, I, it, it struck me, you know? So I was having fun. So that's one that comes up to mind, but it's that's obviously like not. Such a weird game to like. Yeah, it's a really weird game. But you know. That, I kind of want to check it out though, no. So. Yeah, there was an attempt, you know? Yeah. But what do you want to achieve when you're making like a track? Do you have like some sort of like Oh goal? yeah, for sure. Um, I think it depends. Like for example, right now I'm working on a live set. So I'm not really working on one track. When I work on a live set, my one goal is to, you know, make people dance. So I don't want to do, I, I know it has to be fun. It has to be something that kind of gets you into it. And um, and I think when you do a live set, you uh, you obviously, it's really a conversation with the audience, you know, like you pick up how they're feeling, you put a lot of yourself, but you also look up, see what's going back. And then, so with a live set, that's my goal to get that conversation going and, and do stuff that uh, will make people want to get you know, into my jam. And uh, if I'm doing a record, I think um, a big part of it is doing something that's DJ friendly so that, you know, um, it's easy to play in a set. But I suck at that. I feel like all the tracks I made are, are um, well, yeah, dif not, not, yeah, difficult maybe to put in a set. I don't know. I hope, I hope they're not, but yeah. Do you, do you uh, like perform? Do you play? I DJ as well and I, and I do, yeah, I do both. I do live sets and DJs. Yeah. What's, what's the difference between that? So DJ is I bring a lot of these records yeah. mm -hmm. and then I have two turntables and I play one, play the next one, move on. And then live set is I have my modular and I'm playing. So one of them is me playing my music. The other one is me 
making playing. music. So yeah, making music or playing records. Yeah, basically. If you could go back in time and yep. jam with anyone, who would it be? James Stinson. James Stinson uh, was uh, uh, yeah amazing electronic music musician from Detroit, and uh, he yeah he was a big. He, yeah, he was, I don't know, he's, this guy's huge to me, so yeah, it would be, it'd be pretty amazing to, to jam with this guy. Does he like influence your music? Or? Oh, definitely. But I mean, it's, that's, not, that's not much to say because he's, he's influenced so many people. He's, yeah. But I mean, you know, he, I think he, fortunately, you know, he, he died, you know, with probably a lot more music to make. How did you get into this? Like, how did you get into, like, this sort of music? Well, I got into it just because uh, it was cool, and uh, in Montreal, we... We, I really got into it with a bunch of friends, and we were throwing parties, and really, well, we were, yeah, a bunch of musician friends with whom I have the label, mm. who are very passionate about music, and um, very talented too. So that was exhilarating to be with people who have a drive, and that you know you you learn from one another, and then you create something, you share it, and and everybody had you know like you, you I don't know you're blown away by everybody, and we were living in a small neighborhood. Yeah, it was like a pretty intense years. It was really good, and. Uh, and then I got into modular specifically because next to my place in Montreal there was a, a small store, electronic store that was owned by a, by an old dude who who worked in the Greek Air Force and the radios, and he had bunch of a shit ton of like electronic kits, you know, like small from the seventies and shit. Mm. And so I got into it. At first I went in the store to buy some cables, and I saw all these little kits, and I got into it. And then I got into soldering to make. I made little machines. I made I made a little. I made a, my first machine was a, a, a trash can that was also a delay. So you would put sound in, and, and you had well, it was fucking amazing, a little trash can delay. And um, I mean, I made a bunch of little shit. I did the fuck box, I was famous for it because you put. Well, I don't want to go into grab. No, it's all, it's all. It was a little box, and uh, you put your finger in the in the hole, and um, you had a little meter. And the idea was you get the box to the box made a really weird squealing sound. Which was uh, totally, um, a I mean, I didn't plan it. It was I was trying to make a speaker, and it turns out that the uh, the the board, if you put your finger in there, you hijack the circuit. Anyway, it makes a really weird sound. So I made a game out of it where you put your finger in there, make it squeal, and if you can get it high enough, then uh, you win, right? Because it gets really loud. And I call it the fuck box because the sound is horrible. It fucked with everybody. Nobody could stand it. Oh my God. Um, but anyway, yeah, and so I got into this, and I was making all these little, you know, shit machines, and um, and then I thought that it was kind of stupid to be buying this, like, shitty electronics when there's actually, you know, real electronic modules being made that I could look into. And that's how I got into modular. Then I started planning my, yeah, my, what you saw up there, my mm -hmm. modular shit. That's so cool. There you go. It seems like uh, to play this kind of music, you have to be quite... Um like understand how things work so you can like make things I think that's just how I work I know some other people I, I know only work with a, I don't know some people work only on Ableton and do things that are amazing some other people work on you know synthesizers that are like racks and stuff like that and uh, I think it's just me I, I like to tinker and uh, so I think modular was more appropriate for me where um, you can really make your own kind of little machine you know to each their own so you said that you got into this site because of the kind of like the community that you have, like the friends mm -hmm. and everything. Do you still have that like in Amsterdam? Uh, not really. Not really, no. Um, well, Chris Taylor is one guy where we bonded over this. Um, 
I met a few other people who are into this, but it's definitely not the same level that we had over there. I mean, we were, uh, you know, I was living, they were all living in the same building. I was living up the street with some other people who were into music. We were doing shows, you know, organizing parties all the time in the neighborhood. That, that was like a really, yeah, it's not really comparable to here, I think. Because I thought maybe that's like what keeps you going. What keeps you going then? I have to do it. I just, I need to, you know? I mean, you know, that's the big difference with me and my friends is that, uh, a lot of them can only like not can only do this, but only want to do this, you know. And uh, and whereas me, I was always afraid to make it my main activity. I always wanted to because I like it so much. I want it to be something I go to where I can just do what I want. I don't want my income to depend on it. I don't want to have to send thousands of emails to get people to book me. You know, I don't want to promote my. I don't have a Facebook page. I just want. I just do it because I want to do my music. And luckily enough. Um, you know, I get I get booked for shows sometimes, and uh, and that makes me happy. And I keep doing it because I love doing it. And that's it. Yeah. Okay, that's that's. Where it. do you? Uh, I don't know. Do you say perform? Or what do where I perform? Do you, where do you? Do you it's uh, it's random. I mean, I'm playing in Lisbon in in May uh, because um, a friend uh, started working at a record store and uh, and yeah, apparently he's booking shows. I don't really know. <laughs> he just he just invited, yeah proposed that I come. Uh, I'm playing in at a festival in in Italy in Tus Tuscany in, in July. Um, I played. I mean, I played in a lot of random places, mostly because of. Well, I guess by traveling, I you meet people and and because I have these records coming out. Well, I, had, I have two records that came out. Um, I guess it's putting myself out there, and that's how you, I always stop releasing records as a way to get booked because that's you know shows you're making music and people are interested in it. So, yeah. That's that's really how it happened. I I should do a lot more to to be booked here. I think, but so if you come. make a record and it's finished, how do you how do people know about it? Know about it? Well, it depends. I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, I just released a record with this uh, with a UK label called Inta, and um, I don't know how they do their promotion. Um, the way we do it at Buma is. We uh, so we have a distributor, so we make the record, we give it to them, they help us find the best people to press it, but then they take care of distribution, they send it to all the record stores, and they promote it on their page. Um, but we also had a PR company called uh, No More Words, which closed now, but they they had a really good system going where they. Um, a lot of DJs and big names, professional DJs, sign up on their website and can download music for free on the condition that they comment on it. Oh, yeah. So it was kind of stressful actually the first time my record came out because like holy shit, like we had two records. Well, we have a few records coming out before, but two of them came out with no more words, and we saw the comments from people who you know like, like fucking you know like they're big time you know and mm -hmm. I respect, and then to hear them, you know, put comments and I'm like fuck man, they're gonna comment on my on my record and shit you know I don't know it could stress me out. But it ended up, I ended up having good feedback and it made me, you know, really happy. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they closed, so we don't use them anymore. Um, but I guess that's how you would do it, yeah, get a company like that. So how many records do you have now? That I release myself? Yeah. I have two solo records, and I have, and then I'm on a, and then I'm on a, I don't know, three other records, but not with other people. Well, yeah, I mean, you always ask that question, like, why, yeah, um, why do you think, um, you do you make the music as a side part or as a, as a as something next to your work? Yeah. Why do you think that's important to do? Like, does it affect 
does it keep you happy at work or oh i mean it keeps me happy period yeah, yeah. my my parents are musician and so everybody in my family had to do music growing up so it's just something that i i, I don't know it's something i have to do i don't i just have to do it yeah. i have another question because uh hopefully you're gonna show us or, or let us sure, hear yeah, something yeah. what um can you tell something about the music you make well like i said i think it depends what i'm making it for i I do, like I said, for records, I want to do something maybe DJ friendly for live sets. It will be a different way of approaching it. I think what I'd really like to do also is to do a record that's just, yeah, something more like you listen to, you actually sit down. I guess, yeah, something more, less club friendly maybe. I My music is very repetitive on purpose because I want to get people in that space where, you know, you... Uh, you kind of lose consciousness in a way, you know, you kind of get in the, in the zone. And um, I know that's a state I love to be in. So I, that's what I try to go for with the music I make. Well, I also always ask people, so how do you, how do you find time for this? Like, do you, how, do you like plan it out or like, what's your kind of like strategy or recipe for like balancing work and you know um, kind of side project if really it's like yeah i count i well like i said work is always a priority like i always you know work pays the bills and everything so i i don't let it eat on my work time but anytime i can i'll do it you know if i i mean that's basically all i do you know i work well you know i have some hobbies on the side and shit but like i basically come home from work maybe i'll have dinner and then i'll go to my room and make beats. I mean, even sometimes it's not just, it's not be about making something that I'll record and do. Sometimes it's just, I'll, you know, I'll just go on there and plug some things, jam a bit. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know how I find time for it. I don't have enough time for it, to be honest. I wish I had more time. They should make fucking 40 hour days. That'd be nice. Is that why you sit in your bedroom? You do that, it's just like go to bed. <laughs> I mean, pretty, yeah, pretty much. I, um, I wish I had a proper studio space, you know, because I'd like it if my, my bedroom were just my bedroom. But um, I mean, you know, I'm not going to put it in the living room. It's not nice for Alex. A dedicated space to it, just oh. so then I can really go in, do it, come out, you mm. know, but yeah, there it so is. So maybe one day a studio. Yeah, for sure. That would be nice. Cool. Yeah. That house sounds really fun. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was a great time. Yeah, Where was, was it? Like, how many years ago? Like, how young were you when you... Um, well, no, there was a few houses. There was a, this first house was when I was uh, 20. And then the second place was when I was, uh, what, like, yeah, 21, 22. From 22 to 24, I guess. Yeah, even like, yeah, 20 to 24, we were in the, in the north of Montreal. Well, in the Mile End. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Pretty crazy years. Because we were, this building where we were at all the musicians, it wasn't a coincidence because the bottom of the building was a bar and the owner of the bar also owned the building. And uh, we all worked at the bar, so we got amazing discounts. And uh, his plan was to get a lot of musicians to create a big band. And, um, and he was a big fan of Nicholas Jar. And it turns out that uh, me and these friends from New York, we all went to the high school, the same high school as Nicholas Jar. So we were kind of close with this guy. And so this guy freaked out, you know, and got us all in, this, in, these, in these apartments. And so the vibe was insane, you know, like you're working on music, you open the window in the courtyard, you've got, you know, Matt and Richard over there working on music. Hey, I like what you're doing over there, you know, and then you all get beers at the end of the day. And, and oh. shit. yeah, that was a good time.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Psycast. I hope you enjoyed it. In the background, you're hearing Buma Collective. That's the label that Hugo was talking about. I'll put the links to his music and the collective's music in the description section. So go check it out. Um, if you like this episode, please go and support us on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash the sidecast. Also, if you want to see some pictures, uh, head to our website, which is www.thesidecast.com. Also, guys, if you are in Bali, if you know anyone in Indonesia or in Bali who are working on some really crazy, amazing side projects, let me know. And once again, thank you for listening. See you soon. to be enough time and people to do the paperwork. There always seemed to be enough time to do the paperwork. There always seemed to be enough people to do the paperwork. There always seemed to be enough time and people to do the paperwork. But today, there isn't. Today, there isn't enough time. Today, there aren't enough people. Today, everyone has to spend more time on paperwork. Management has to spend more time on paperwork. Secretaries have to spend more time on paperwork. Companies have to spend more time on paperwork. Salesmen, brokers, engineers, accountants, lawyers, supervisors, doctors, executives, teachers, office managers, bankers, foremen, bookkeepers, everybody has to spend more time on paperwork. Seems to me we could use some help. I understand that IBM has a quarterly. The ad says the IBM MT ST can type error free. The IBM Office Products Division representative explained how it worked. That IBM has always been one of the leaders in the field of office. Last week I was talking to a guy about a machine that IBM makes. It's called an MTST. Dictation is recorded on a magnetic belt. Runs off a battery. It's right here in this magazine. A whole system of IBM Office Products Division equipment throughout the entire office. IBM can help you with the time it takes to do the paperwork. With IBM dictation equipment, I can get four times as much thinking recorded as I can by writing it down, and twice as much as I can by dictating to a highly skilled secretary. Now the IBM MTST here turns rough draft into error-free copy automatically at the rate of a page every two minutes. Used systematically throughout an office, these two pieces of IBM equipment alone have increased people's productivity by 50%. IBM machines can do the work so that people have time to think. Machines should do the work. That's what they're best at. People should do the thinking. That's what they're best at. Machines should work. People should think. Machines should work. People should think. 
Machines should work. People should think. So I don't do much work anymore. I'm too busy thinking. <laughs>